0: We've all heard of the Romans and the Greeks. These two great empires have given us so much of what we consider a part of our life. Modern mathematics, science, law and education have all been influenced by these ancient cultures. Have you heard of the Assyrians? They were also a great empire in ancient times. Did you know that they could well be identified today as one of the great nations of Europe? Who could they be? And how can we know how they got from their old homeland in the Black Sea region into Europe? The story is a fascinating one, and it could be that you may very well be descended from these ancient people. In fact, if you have a German last name or some German or Austrian ancestry, you need to watch to find out just where your heritage comes from. Would you like to know where the Assyrians are today? Then stay tuned. The Bible is the most up-to-date book that you can own. This wonderful book from God gives us practical guidance for life. There's sound advice for marriage, financial wisdom, and principles for dealing with your boss can even be found in the Bible. How to live the Christian life is, of course, the fundamental subject that you will find. But did you know that the Bible also covers the identities of both ancient and modern nations? Some countries have kept their old biblical names, such as Greece or Libya Egypt and Ethiopia now others have names that they call themselves today but are different in the Bible for example the Bible calls the people of Cyprus Kittim and the Arabs well they're named after their father Ishmael as Ishmaelites most modern Arabs still know who their patriarch was and will acknowledge him as Ishmael son of Abraham one of the ancient people of Mesopotamia was the Assyrians who descended from their father, Asher. The book of Genesis tells us that Asher was a son of Shem and his name meant leader or successful. God never intended the Assyrians to be an insignificant nation. They lived in the northern part of modern-day Iraq on the Tigris River and their capital was Nineveh. They were a highly organized and militaristic people. They went through several ages of rise and fall. In the 8th century BC, they rose to great power and their empire invaded the kingdom of Israel, capturing them and enslaving them beyond the Euphrates River. Why did God's chosen people go into slavery? Well, God had become angry with the wickedness and the pagan idolatry of the kings of Israel and after warning them, he used the Assyrians to punish them. Believe it or not, the modern Assyrians are going to once again punish these people. Notice I did not say Israelis, because that modern nation of Israel is the Jewish nation made up of the descendants of Judah. The other tribes of Israel can be found amongst the peoples of northwestern Europe, as well as the English speaking people of the United States, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. Here is a picture of the famous Black Obelisk, which is to be found in the British Museum in London. Here we see King Jehu of Israel bowing before the Assyrian king, Shalmaneser III, in obeisance. After Israel was captured by the Assyrians, they transported them into the Caspian Sea region. For centuries, these two great people lived side by side. The Israelites lost their Hebrew language, and they adopted the Indo-Germanic language. But the Assyrian empire was to be short-lived. And in 612 BC, the Babylonians captured Nineveh, their principal city, and the Assyrians were never again a power in the region. Researcher Leon Polyakov says in his book, The Aryan Myth, that the Bavarians believe they came into their country from Armenia by the Black Sea. The Roman historian Pliny, writing from The Natural History, mentioned a tribe called the Assyriani among the Scythian people in the Crimea region, north of the Black Sea in his day. At some point in time it appears that there was a migration of these Assyriani out of the Crimea. The Assyrians now began to move northwestward into Europe. The Israelites travelled with them so that the two nations spoke similar languages. The Israelites settled on the northwest coast as Angles and Saxons and Jutes and there were also descendants of Israel in northern France, in Belgium, the Netherlands, and Scandinavia, while the Germanic tribes took up land along the Rhine, the Elba, and the Oder rivers, as well as settling in Austria and northern Italy. Speaking of these Assyrians, Smith's classical dictionary states the following, There can be no doubt that they migrated into Europe from the Caucasus and the countries around the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea. At the same time, the Israelites, who were the former captives of the Assyrians, moved with them into northwestern countries like France, Holland and Scandinavia. Have you got a last name which is German? Do you have a German ancestry in your genes? You know it could well be that your ancient forebears were amongst the Assyrians who migrated from their Middle Eastern homeland into Germany, Austria and Northern Italy. You know I have a friend whose last name is Italian but do you know what it is? Germano. One important point to be made is that the Germans are not so much a single tribe but a mixture of people including the Hessians, the Prussians, Bavarians and Austrians. Do you remember the soldier who fought for King David named Uriah the Hittite? He was a valiant and loyal soldier. Where do we find the Hittites? Well, the 11th edition of the Encyclopedia Britannica mentions the Hatti or Heth, who now inhabit the region of Hesse in southwest Germany. This warlike people were known in ancient days as the Hittites when they lived in Asia Minor and joined their cousins, the Assyrians, when they moved into Europe. The name Heth is now Hesse. Their name Kati, which was the name for the ancient Hittites in Hebrew means, listen to this, to terrorize or to break down in war. And the old German spelling for Hesse is exactly the same, Hatti. If you'd like to learn more about this fascinating subject, call today for our free article which we have reprinted from the pages of our magazine Tomorrow's World. It's called A Fourth Reich. What is Germany's future? This article will give you further proof and insight into the German people. You will see that God has a special purpose for this noble race, but not before they learn to trust in him and not their own power. So call the number on the screen or go to tomorrowsworld.org and request your free copy of this article of Fourth Reich.
1: This informative article is yours absolutely free. No cost, no obligation. If you call this toll-free number, 1-800-718-4800. That number, once again, is 1-800-718-4800. Call now. Or send your request to Tomorrow's World, P.O. Box 3800, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28227. With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Tomorrow's World magazine keeps you up to date with world trends, Bible prophecy, and the very meaning of life itself.
0: Tomorrow's World. Call now. So far we have learned that the ancient empire of Assyria was defeated by the Babylonians, and soon after their defeat they began to migrate into Europe. The oldest city in Germany is Trier and is believed to have been founded by Trabata, son of King Nenus of Assyria. Many modern travel books mention an inscription on a house in Trier, stating this Assyrian colony was founded 1,300 years before Rome. Much of the later migrations into Germany took place at the same time the Roman Empire was expanding into Europe, and they clashed with these people, whom they called Germans or war men. One of the most successful of the Roman generals in fighting them was Germanicus. Did he give his name to them or they to him? It's now time for us to put history and the Bible together. We've shown that there may well be an historical link of the Assyrians to the modern Germans but what does the Bible say about the Assyrians? In Isaiah chapter 10, we have a detailed prophecy for the years ahead of us when God will use the modern-day Assyrians to punish a rebellious house. Let us turn there to this chapter, Isaiah chapter 10, and starting in verse 5, we read, Woe to Assyria, the rod of mine anger, and the staff in whose hand is my indignation. I will send you against an ungodly nation and against the people of my wrath. I will give him charge to seize the spoil and to take the prey and to tread them down like the mire of the streets. Who is this ungodly nation? When taken in context of the whole book of Isaiah, we can see that this is the nation of Israel. Now, long-time viewers of Tomorrow's World will recall that the Bible identifies the nations of northwestern Europe and the English-speaking peoples of America and Britain as the descendants of ancient Israel. Now when we put these two important identities, that's Germany and the English-speaking people together, we can see that the two world wars fought between Germany and the Allies were really dress rehearsals for what lies ahead. We're witnessing the slow but inexorable rise of the German nation to world power status. The difference is that this time she has achieved this by peaceful means. Most Germans are uh, unaware of what is happening in their very midst. The German people love peace. They don't want war. But as we have seen throughout history, they seem to have an aggressive trait that may be stirred up at times. Notice what Isaiah says in relation to this Assyrian trend to spoil and take the prey. Here in verse 7, it states, Yet he does not mean so, nor does his heart think so but it is in his heart to destroy and to cut off not a few nations. Can you see how God sees things? Here's Israel, rebellious and godless, and though he loves them as a loving father, he has to chastise them. That is why the German people will once again be used by God to chastise modern-day Israelites. Yes, there will be cruelty, and there will be great hurt, But God sees beyond that to a time when Israel will repent for their sinfulness. In Jeremiah chapter 31, Jeremiah chapter 31 and in verse 18, we read of Ephraim's sorrow for his sins. Ephraim was the birthright inheritor of Israel. And on this program, we often state that we can identify many of the people of England, Canada, Australia, New Zealand and English-speaking South Africans with Ephraim. Notice what it says. I have surely heard Ephraim bemoaning himself. You have chastised me and I was chastened like an untrained bull. Restore me and I will return for you are the Lord my God. I was ashamed, yes, even humiliated because I bore the reproach of my youth. God's reply in verse 20 is this. For though I spoke against him, I earnestly remember him still. Therefore my heart yearns for him. I will surely have mercy on him. Only one people in the Bible truly repented as a whole nation when they were warned by God to repent. Do you know who that nation was? That nation was Assyria with their capital called Nineveh. The prophet Jonah was sent to Nineveh to tell them to repent, and they did. The king called on the people there to fast and repent, and they obeyed. In Jonah chapter 3, and here in verse 5, we read, So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he laid aside his robe, Covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. In verse 10, we read, Then God saw their works that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that He said He would bring upon them, and He did not do it. God loves all nations and is not a respecter of persons. He is, however, impressed when we confess our sins and repent. Both Israel and Assyria will do so and be used by God in His kingdom. This article, A Fourth Reich, written by Dr. Douglas S. Winnell, taken from the pages of Tomorrow's World magazine, is free when you request it. It sheds further light on the fascinating journey of the Assyrians as they traveled from the Caucasus to their present home in Central Europe. So far, we have seen that God will use the modern-day Assyrians to punish their old enemy Israel. Let us return to Isaiah chapter 10 and see what happens next. In verse 12, we see that Assyria's pride is aroused. Instead of acknowledging that God has used him to punish Israel, he now allows arrogance to rise up in his heart. Notice, therefore, it will come to pass when the Lord has performed all his work on Mount Zion and on Jerusalem, that he will say, I will punish the fruit of the arrogant heart of the king of Assyria, and the glory of his haughty looks. It is worth looking at how the King James Version renders this passage. It says, I will punish the fruit of the stout heart of the king of Assyria. You know, I was recently reading a book of speeches made by famous men. And here was what Adolf Hitler said in his address to the Reichstag on the eve of the invasion of Poland on September the 1st, 1939. Quoting from Hitler, he said, If anyone thinks we are facing a hard time, I should ask him to remember that once a Prussian king opposed to a stronger coalition and in three wars finally came out successful because that state had that stout heart that we need in these times as a national socialist and as a German soldier I enter upon this struggle with a stout heart what irony it is that the same words stout heart should be used for a Syrian and German military pride in the Bible and by Hitler 2600 years later the connection between these people became obvious to me when I recently visited Berlin The city of Berlin was built by the great Kaiser Wilhelm to be the capital of the new nation of Germany. Now, most Americans would be surprised to know that Germany as a sovereign country and nation did not come about until 1871. That's right, nearly 100 years after the United States. Prior to this time, the German people were citizens of small independent states. The Prussian General Bismarck once told the people that their problems could only be solved by blood and iron. He defeated the French, the Danes and the Austrians in battle, and he declared a second German Reich in 1871. Berlin was built on a grand scale to rival Paris and London, but has never achieved the same status. In fact, in 1910, Karl Scheffler wrote, Berlin is a city condemned forever to becoming and never being. It's no different today. Berlin has building cranes all over the city, but there seems to be no real plan. The German government has poured millions of euros into new Berlin, but it does not have the feel of a great city. One may say that it is headed for a destiny that Germans do not even know what will be. It's as if they're waiting for a charismatic person to come along to give them a purpose and direction. Certainly a visit to their Pergamon Museum in Berlin will give some idea of who they were. This is a museum that houses many artifacts from Babylon and Assyria. The Ishtar Gate from Babylon was removed brick by brick and reassembled here. Assyrian bas-relief carvings reveal warlike kings killing lions and taking captive their enemies. Look at this Assyrian solar disk and how it was used by the Nazis and the use of the swastika as a symbol then and again in World War II. Our article, A Fourth Reich, What is Germany's Future, is now available for you to study. All you need to do is call the number on the screen or go to tomorrowsworld.org and request your copy. You will find many quotations, mainly from Germans themselves, about their nation and their identity. It makes fascinating reading and will explain what the future is for these talented people.
1: This informative article is yours absolutely free. No cost, no obligation. If you call this toll-free number, one 800 718 4800. That number once again is 1-800-718-4800. Call now or send your request to Tomorrow's World, P.O. Box 3800, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28227. With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Tomorrow's World magazine keeps you up to date with world trends, Bible prophecy, and the very meaning of life itself.
0: Tomorrow's World. Call now. We have noticed that Germany is prone to sudden changes of direction and given the circumstances can quickly adapt to new challenges. It seems that Germany can morph like one of those advertisements where where one image changes into another by a series of changing frames. Germany has been described as a country of promising beginnings, dramatic changes and abrupt breakdowns. Now why is this so? It seems that Germany reacts to crises either real, imagined or even sometimes engineered. Germany today is playing a game of international double play. On one hand, she proclaims solidarity with the United States, but also tries to conduct her own foreign policy in the Middle East. Not all Germans are naive enough to think that this will work. In the March 29, 2007 issue of Der Spiegel, their Berlin bureau chief, Klaus Christian Malzahn, wrote... For years, the German foreign ministers fed the Germans the fairy tale of what they called the critical dialogue between Europe and Iran. It went something like this. If we are nice to the Ayatollahs and cuddle up to them, they will stop building the atom bomb. Well, that plan failed at some point. It's interesting that the Germans have always wanted to have their own foreign policy with the Middle East because prophecy tells us that they will play a vital role in the next few years. In Psalm 83, verses 1 through 5, we read, Do not keep silent, O God. Do not hold your peace, and do not be still, O God. For behold, your enemies make a tumult, and those who hate you have lifted up their head. They have taken crafty counsel against your people and consulted together against your sheltered ones. They have said, Come, let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. And then it says, For they have consulted together with one consent. They form a confederacy against you. Have you heard Middle Eastern leaders using words like, Let us drive Israel into the sea, or We will destroy Israel, as they set out to build an atomic bomb to achieve it? Verse 6 mentions the tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites. The Arabs know they are Ishmael, and Osama bin Laden is from a wealthy Arab family, who are the Edomites. In Roman times, they were known as Edomians, and the family of Herod was from that tribe. One of their main cities was Bosra, and today we find a city called Basra in southern Iraq. It appears that the Edomites gave their city's name to that region. Next, in verse 6, are Moab and the Hagarites. That southern people of Jordan most probably are these people today. Three more enemies of Israel are then mentioned, including Amalek. Haman was an Amalekite in Queen Esther's day who wanted to have every Jew in the Persian kingdom killed, but he failed. The next two enemies are Philistia and Tyre. It's quite evident who they are today because they still live where they have for millennia. But then comes a most unusual ally of these Middle Eastern tribes. Notice what it says here in Psalm 83. It says, and Assyria has also joined with them. Here we have that ancient enemy of Israel joining an existing confederacy that wants to drive Israel into the sea. Will we see a German-led European army come into the Middle East to take control of Jerusalem as a so-called peacekeeping force. Expect to see that scenario develop. Right now Germany is on the point of balance. They can choose to take a non-involved role in world politics as they have done or they can begin to flex their economic and military muscle. What could tip the balance? Well it could take a crisis. The crisis or even a series of crises could start with a sudden and dramatic loss of American power and influence. A collapse of the dollar of 1929 proportions or maybe bird flu or a constitutional paralysis of the government could all conspire to cause a global shift in power. Whatever it takes, we know that Germany is set to play a vital part in the future. But what of the long term future of Germany? Well, here is the good news for this great and talented nation. Prophecy reveals that when Jesus Christ returns to establish God's government on earth, he will use three nations. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 19 and read verses 24 and 25. In that day, Israel will be one of three with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing in the midst of the land, whom the Lord of hosts shall bless, saying, Blessed is Egypt, my people." and Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, my inheritance. What a wonderful outcome for the people of Germany. What a credit to their hard work and repentant attitude. God does not hate nations. He doesn't hate the German nation. As some have assumed, He loves them. And just as Israel will have to be punished, so too will the Germans be. We might say, all's well that ends well. Once again, request your free copy of The Fourth Reich, What is Germany's Future? Simply call the number on your screen or request it at tomorrowsworld.org and get the answer to this question. And be sure to join us again next week as Roderick Meredith and Richard Ames bring you the good news of tomorrow's world.
1: This informative article is yours absolutely free. No cost, no obligation. If you call this toll-free number, 1-800-718-4800. That number once again is 1-800-718-4800. Call now or send your request to Tomorrow's World, P.O. Box 3800, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28227. seeding program is produced by the Living Church of God